truck and drove up there and, and got them all and brought them back down. And um, the church said, well, we were going to give them to another church, but they said they didn't want them, so we're going to sell them to you. So, well, can we get the deal that you're going to give the first church, you know? And they didn't want to give us the same deal that they were going to give the other church. And so, uh, but that's okay. We have a supply, amen? And so we didn't, uh, I mean, I did ask that, right? Because nothing hurt asking them, but when they said no, all right, well, then we'll write you a check. And so, because uh, the Lord always provides, amen? I got no problem with trying to, you know, save money, you know, where it's reasonable, but uh, uh, I'm not going to... Uh, be dishonest and be corrupt uh, as uh, uh, the, churches, the churches as a whole oftentimes have a bad reputation for, for being that way, right? Not paying their bills. and uh, you, you know all the stories, right? With, well, this is God's work. You know, we shouldn't have to pay that bill. Um, you said you'd pay the bill, right? If you said you pay the bill, then it doesn't matter. You've got to pay the bill, right? You don't get to just change your mind and say, well, this is God's work. You know, we shouldn't pay that we shouldn't have to pay that much. Well, you signed up to pay that much, didn't you? Uh, and so I got no problem with paying people what they're worth. Uh, amen. You know, I mean, the contractors and the painters, and they all have to eat too, don't they? Uh, and for them to require them to do it at cost where, you know, they, they don't make any money on it, that's a little unreasonable because, you know, for, even for this, you think about all the painting that was required to do this project, you know, that's several days of work that's, that uh, multiple people had to do. And to say that, well, they shouldn't, they shouldn't make money on God's, on God's sanctuary, you know. Uh, and so, <laughs> like, what, what's that even mean, uh, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, what's, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, want them to retire on this job, right? Well, we can just make enough money and just retire on that job. Well, okay, that's maybe a little extreme, but, uh, but you know, at the same time, you know, if it's a reasonable amount of money, then um, <clears throat> I think it's perfectly fine, amen? And so... Um, and the Lord always provides, and, he'll, and He will, Amen. And so we'll we'll let you know uh, more about that when we, we get. Uh, they got to get started on it though, because if they don't get started, it's hard to get finished, Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and we may have to have uh, some all hands on deck uh, days here and there where we can go over there and speed things up a little bit. You know, when we did the sanctuary, they did most of the work, but I was here, you know, lots of days just cleaning the ceiling because the guys they they were kind of landed to that. You know, I redid some of the electrical and fixed up you know just you know just different things that uh, they could do but you know the guy might come in a monday he might not show up for another week or so and i don't have time for that you know we got to get things done amen uh, and so uh, we've got uh, folks in here that can uh, sling hammers and roll paint and you know just things like that we can do to speed up the process and so um, it's not uh, the thing that i have to be careful of is not putting it all on me because it's not it's not wise to put everything on the pastor because then I'd end up doing all that and not spending time where I should be spending time, which is to read and study and pray. Amen. Uh, and so, but we'll, we'll give you some updates as we get those along. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So Father, we do come to your word humbly, Father, asking for your spirit to speak to us, to lead us and guide us into all truth, Father, to show us how your word applies to our life each and every day. We thank you for these things, Father. We thank you that you'll teach us, instruct us, Father. You are the great teacher. And Father, we, we are the just under teachers. We just repeat what you tell us, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, let's open our Bible's book, book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4. We'll get started there today. Uh, and so, we've been talking a little bit about uh, finances because uh, these uh, several, this section of verses here has a lot to say about uh, finances. And, uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about finances. And, and um, and yet, uh, many times, it's kind of a, for, for some ministries, they considered a, kind of a landmine topic, right? Where you don't really talk about finances because people get touchy. Uh, and, um, you know, from my perspective, of course, we read this last week, if you give according to what's in your heart, then, then why am I under pressure? I shouldn't be under pressure. And why are you under pressure? You shouldn't be under pressure. Now, the, you get under pressure if you're disobeying your heart, right? If your heart says, well, you need to give. Well, I'm not going to give. Well, then that's not on me. The pressure's on you, right? Uh, and so, uh, from my perspective, I'm not under any pressure because uh, I'm not, I'm, it's not my job to tell you how much to give. It's not my job to, to even tell you to give. That's the job of the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God. And so, my job is to tell you, here's the value of you giving. Here's why it's good for you to give. Amen? Uh, and, and I should say that from what the Word of God says. I shouldn't make up stories that you know, if you give to this ministry, we're good soil, right? We talked about all those crazy uh, doctrines like that. That's not biblical. There's no Bible that says 
this soil is better soil than other soil to give into because uh, there's never any, any discussion in the Word of God about the destination of where you give uh, that, that, uh, the, that the destination will determine what your return is. Uh, so, in other words, if you give to a particular ministry, that's good soil, but if you give to another ministry, that's better soil, so you get a better return if you give to that ministry. There's no doctrine like that in the Word of God, and for me to say that would be to add doctrine that doesn't exist, amen? I can tell you this, if you give by faith, you'll always get a return, amen? If you give faithfully, you'll always get a return, and that much I can guarantee you, amen? But you've got to give by faith. It's not the act of giving that's, that gives you the return, it's the act of giving by faith that gives you the return, and so you, whenever you give, you should always give by faith. Lord, I thank you that this uh, finances will go and multiply according to the need that the receiver has. Uh, we ask you to bless that and multiply that, that uh, seed sown. Uh, and Father, according to your word, I thank you that as a return of that, that you said that if I give good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall so I may give unto our bosom. Well, that's an act of faith. That's a statement of faith. That's what you should believe. Amen. Uh, and so if the Lord tells you to give, uh, then... Uh, and if you're obedient to that, then that's the, that's the seed that you're sowing is that seed of faith, right? The seed uh, uh, of you believing that God will do exactly what he said he would do in his word. And so it's not because you give to this ministry, amen? But, you know, if you're part of this ministry, then it would be reasonable to give to this ministry, right? I mean, and we'll look at some of those scriptures where it actually talks about those things. Uh, and so, but there's, there, there surely has been a lot of... of uh, uh, shenanigans that have gone on in area of finances with churches. Uh, and what happens a lot of times is because churches and church leadership are not good stewards of their finances, that they oftentimes are, are not very good money managers, right? And, and, and instead of getting somebody that is to assist them, uh, they're always desperate, right? And so they're always begging, they're always under, putting you under pressure that, hey, we're going under, or hey, we've spent too much money. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you should either... Uh, if you don't have the wisdom, ask the Lord the wisdom to how to manage the money of the finances of the church well or get somebody to assist you to do that. Amen. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, churches don't do that. Uh, and even ministries, you know, especially, uh, you know, you think about, uh, you know, our ministries, you know, a fairly small ministry and we don't have a lot of big expenses. You know, we don't have uh, any debt. We don't have uh, any uh, regular large bills that, that come due, right? We're not on television, so... Um, we are actually around the world because of Facebook and, and Vimeo, but um, um, so anybody in the world could actually watch us, which is amazing technology. Right? You think about what it would take to do that 20 years ago. It would take millions of dollars uh, 20 years ago. I remember back in the 90s when uh, Brother Hagen decided to have a satellite uh, meeting, uh, and uh, and also even um, uh, even before that in the 80s, I think it was 80s when. And remember, Brother Copeland had a worldwide uh, communion service. Anybody remember that? It was like he, he talked about it for much worldwide, you know, by satellite. He was going to, everybody's going to receive communion on the same day. And then later on, Brother Hagan had these satellite meetings. And so we went down and the church, we rented one of those 10 foot, remember those 10 foot uh, satellite dishes, right? That just huge. <laughs> and so, you know, nowadays you get a satellite dish that's, you know, the size of a bread box. But that, back then, you know, you, you turn it on and, and, and uh, you know, there's no more sunshine because it blocks all the sun out. But, but we rented one of those, put it out in the parking lot, ran the giant cables, you know, all the way through the church. And then we got a projector and the projector was like this big and it weighed like, like 100 pounds, literally 100 pounds, you know, and, and it was grainy and it was, you know, uh, but we, we hooked up into the satellite meetings. Now he's like, uh, we want to broadcast it worldwide. Okay, Jared, click a button. And you're done, right? Uh, he probably has to click two buttons, but um, uh, but you know the Lord. Uh, people think that that the world has created this technology for their benefit. It's not for their benefit. It's for the advancement of the gospel. Amen. Uh, and so we take advantage of that. And so uh, so there you know there there are uh, uh, oftentimes ministries will get uh, to where all all they're doing is feeding the machine of their finances, right? And so every meeting is is with the mind, mindset of how many people are going to come and how many people are going to give. Uh, and, that's, and that becomes almost their mentality of it, we've got to have a certain size meeting in order to feed the machine that we have for, the, for our finances that we need. Uh, and some ministries, you know, we'll, we'll, they will come and, and speak at your church if you can guarantee a certain amount of income. Uh, and, you know, uh, to me, that's just, uh, you know, I've done it. You know, I've had ministries come that, that did that. 
but it's just a little distasteful to me because uh, is, that, is that how you determine to go or not go? I know if you've got a, a thousand requests, you know, then you can pick and choose, right? But if the Lord says to go, then would you tell the Lord, well, Lord, you know, you, you've got to, uh, I can't go unless they can guarantee a certain amount of income. Now, Brother Hagin would do that, right? What he would do is he would tell the Lord, I need this amount of income. He wouldn't tell the church or the people or the pastor. He would tell the Lord. Uh, and, the, and the Lord would, would provide. And to me, that's a good model, right? Nothing wrong with having a budget, not, uh, nothing wrong with having a certain amount of, of income that you need. But you don't put the people under pressure because the people aren't your source. The Lord is our source. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and so we've got to find that balance in the church. Uh, and so we should then talk about finances. And we're going to talk a little bit from the ministry side because Paul has a lot to say about his side of the things and, and, and as it relates to finances. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. So we're going to read Philippians 4.15 and we're going to jump back over to the book of Psalms real quick. Uh, and it says here that now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. And so we talked about how communi- uh, where it says uh, they communicated with him. Uh, it was talking about a partnership, right? So, so they felt a, 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 ki- uh, a kinship with Paul in the ministry and assisted him financially uh, in the ministry. And so... Uh, and he and he really the whole book of Philippians he's kind of bragging on them and thanking them for their support and the kindness and love that they showed him throughout the years. Uh, so let's turn back to the book, the book of Psalm thirty five. Look at a verse here. Uh, and so, in fact, you know we we were we're currently working on a book similar to our, our book on healing scriptures. We're working on on a book for uh, prosperity verses. And I was talking to a, uh, a publisher, and they said, yeah, you can't publish a book with the word prosperity in the title right now. It's just, you know, that, that no, uh, we, can't, we can't do that because there's so much, you know, uh, bitterness towards that, uh, towards that title. <laughs> you know, and my attitude is like, I don't care. Shut up, you know. We're going to publish it anyway, but we'll probably call it, you know, uh, the, our covenant of provision and take out the word prosperity in that. Even though, we're read, read right here in Psalm 35, let's, let's read uh, verse uh, 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So how, how could it possibly be that the word prosperity is a, is a bad word? And yet it is. I mean, you get certain circles, and they will fight you. I mean, they will be spitting mad, you know, it's just of the devil, right? The prosperity, you know, the prosperity gospel, they call it prosperity gospel. You know, you just, that's just of the devil. It's like, really? I mean, I didn't write this. Who wrote this? You know, the Lord wrote this, right? Does he not take pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? Is that what it says? Yeah. Well, then what's wrong with that, right? Uh, and if you got a, now, I got no problem with saying, yeah, if, you, if you're selling red strings to lose weight or gain weight or whatever, yeah, that's of the devil, right? If you're saying you've got to give to me because I'm better than another ministry than a street, yeah, that's of the devil, right? If you're saying that if you don't give to me, you know, God can't, can't bless you, right? Uh, or pressure you that, you know, if you don't give, you're cursed with a curse, right? I mean, I've seen preachers screaming at the TV, you're cursed with a curse, right? They pull it out of Malachi, and it's like, well, we live in the New Testament. We've been redeemed from the curse, amen? So even if I don't give, I'm not, I'm not cursed. If I don't give, I'm not blessed either, but I'm not cursed, amen? Uh, and so... You know, you're basically on your own. Well, you want to be on your own? I don't want to be on my own. So I could be on my own, or I could let the Lord bless everything I lay my hands to. Oh, I'd rather let the Lord bless everything I lay my hands to so, so I get what I get, and I get doubled up from, from there, from, from the Lord's blessing. And so that's a pretty good deal, right? So for me to preach that you're cursed with a curse if you don't give, or tithe, you know, the context of Malachi 3, they're being cursed is specifically tithing. That's not biblical, right? For me to, to especially scream at you, you're cursed with a curse. And, you know, I mean, I don't think they take questions, but I'd be like, I've got a question. Uh, are we in the New Testament, you know? Yeah. And, of course, they never would call any, right? But, and I never would do that anyway. I just, you know, but I would think about it. I'd think about, you know, if we're in the New Testament, then I can't be cursed with a curse if I don't tithe. Amen? Uh, and so I know I'm not blessed. I don't get the blessings of the windows of heaven that he talks about in Malachi 3, but I'm not, also not cursed. Uh, and, and that's the thing about the New Testament is oftentimes people want to push curses on New Testament Christians. You're not cursed. Amen. 
Now, you're not blessed, but you're not cursed. Now, you can, you know, the Bible, Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. You can't open the door to the devil, you know, and, but it's different from a curse. A curse is a legal right to bring harm to your life when you violate the law of God. Well, the devil has no legal right to harm the children of God, even if they're in rebellion, uh, but he'll do it if he can, right? Uh, and so it's, it's a different mentality. It's a different uh, authority that the devil has in the New Testament versus Old Testament. And you've got to recognize that, amen? Uh, and so, but it, it literally says right there that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So is that true? Yeah. So that what, what brings the Lord pleasure for his servants? To see them prosper. Is that not a valid, a valid doctrine? Uh, and so uh, it is a valid doctrine, and yet people just will fight you over that and, and uh, get mad at you about that. Uh, and, but if we keep it in balance, we should be able to teach this and, and say, well, then, then you need to prosper. Everyone in this church needs to prosper. Amen. Now, uh, guaranteed, there, be always, there will always be people, uh, probably in every church, that will just never prosper, right? For whatever reason. They don't give. They don't, you know, because uh, if you look at the whole counsel of God, what you find is the prosperity of the Lord as far as the sowing and reaping, right? Seed time and harvest. It's always in that order. You do the seed time, and he provides the harvest. Uh, and if you don't do your seed time, then, then there's no harvest for him to return to you. Uh, and so, but your seed time should always be done in faith. It's not the mechanics of the seed time that brings the, the, the harvest. It's the faith that you apply to your seed time. Lord, I'm sowing this like we mentioned earlier. Uh, and so what you find in the word of God is and when it comes to finances, everything of the Lord is by faith. But sometimes the Lord requires a, an action of faith before something else occurs, Right. Uh, remember, he said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou moved and be thou cast into the sea. Well, that's an action, right? The mountain will not move unless you, you perform an action of speaking to the mountain. Well, what if I just think about it? It doesn't say think about it. It specifically says say. Amen. Well, I don't want to say it. That's fine. Then keep the mountain. Amen. I mean, nothing to me, right? But if you, don't, if you want the blessings of the Lord, then you find out what he, how he instructs you to do it. It's always by faith, but sometimes faith is either by action or by word, right? Sometimes it's both, right? Say to the mountain. Well, that's the, the action of, of the words, amen? Uh, but when it comes to, to receiving, it follows the action of giving, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but the Lord takes pleasure in that. Why does he take pleasure in that? Because if you're prosperous, then your whole life's not, you know, you, you go back to, you know, uh, back even when, when the time of Jesus was there and even before that, yeah, and you, get, you go to even third world countries today, you know, you go to a third world country today and their whole life is about how do I get my next meal? How do I make enough pennies to eat today? And then tomorrow, their whole time is how do I make enough pennies to get food on the table today? And so their whole life is consumed with just just, you know, the, 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 uh, the work and the effort of just existing. And so they never get ahead, right? Because uh, their environment that they're in uh, and because of whatever, wherever, their faith, wherever their faith is at only allows them to, to basically exist, right? To eat uh, and to sleep and to work, and that's it. Uh, well, that's not prosperity, right? Prosperity implies a full supply, right? Uh, a, 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 an abundant supply. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, that's the kind of supply the Lord wants. If, you're, if your cup runneth over, like Psalm 23 says, then you have an abundance above what you need uh, and an excess of what you need, and so you have the ability to assist other people so they don't have to just spend all their time existing and working and eating. Uh, and so... Uh, and you can be a blessing to the Lord, amen, and to, and to provide for him, right? We talked about how the tithe, the original purpose of the tithe was to fund the, the 12th tribe of Levite so they didn't have to work, so they could spend their time ministering to the Lord. Uh, and, but if the other 11 tribes weren't prosperous and didn't have an abundance, you know, then, then they would be hard-pressed to come up with a 10% to give to somebody else when they normally would need that 20%, 10% to eat, so if they need that 10% to eat because all of their funds are, are consumed by them just only eating and sleeping and having a place you know, over their head, then it'd been really hard for them. But if they're prosperous, you know, it should be easy to provide the 10%. Now, I understand you know, by faith you should always be able to do the 10% because that's, that should be your heart there. But the Lord prospered uh, Israel enough where they could easily take the 10% and fund the entire tribe of, of Levi 
so they could be the minister of the Lord so they didn't have to work. Uh, and that was, the, that was the, the deal that the Lord made with the nation of Israel. And they're like, yeah, we'll take that deal, right? Uh, and so, so uh, now the word prosperity there, the word prosperity there is the, is the common Hebrew word shalom. We all know the word shalom, right? And normally when you hear the word shalom, what do you think of? Peace, right? Uh, but see, uh, it, it does mean peace, of course, and in, in, in its common word, it's used over 200 times in the Old Testament. Uh, it means completeness, safe, soundness, wealth, health, and prosperity, peace, quiet, and tranquility, contentment, friendship with people and God, and peace for more. So it does mean, uh, it does mean uh, peace, but it's, it's kind of like the word blessing, right? Blessing is a kind of a big word, which includes everything, right? It includes all kinds of stuff. And the same thing with shalom, it also it, it means peace, but it also means prosperity and wealth and, and health, right? Good health. Uh, and so it just makes, it's, it's very similar to the word blessing, right? Which, which, Lord, which you bless in every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and so if the Lord wants you to bless spirit, soul, and body, then that means that you'd be physically healthy, you'd be uh, economically prosperous, right? And you'd be mentally at peace, amen? So it's a good word, uh, and it includes all the above. And the Lord takes pleasure in that. He takes pleasure when he sees his people at perfect peace. He, sees, uh, he takes pleasure when he sees his people in perfect health. He he's, takes pleasure when he sees people uh, uh, at contentment, right, and, and friendship with, with people and with God, uh, and, and uh, when his people are prosperous. So the Lord takes pleasure in all of those things, amen? Uh, and we're not changing the word of God. We're just simply reading what these things say. Uh, and you could, you could uh, introduce uh, any, any word of the definition of prosperity and, uh, or the word shalom there, and you'd be perfectly fine. The Lord takes pleasure in all of those things. So uh, how, how is uh, healing not a common doctrine in the church? Because he takes pleasure in the healing of his people, right? And that's what it says, right? Shalom it takes pleasure in the health of his children. So, so that implies then if his children are not healthy, he's not at pleasure, right? That doesn't please him when his children are not healthy. Uh, well, that, I mean, you can... Uh, just preach on healing just from that verse right there. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so if the Lord takes pleasure in it, then we should take pleasure in it. Amen. I understand, you know, if we get out of balance and we start getting to where uh, all we think about is money, right? The love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, and you can do that. You can, you can, you can get to where you, all you do is think about money, right? And, and a lot of times it's when people are out of control. But, you know, uh, uh, it's also... Some people are of the mindset that whoever dies with the most toys wins. And all they do is spend money and buy everything they see, right? And you go to the house and, and they got a thousand sneakers, right? And it's like, well, when, when did you wear that last pair? Well, I haven't gotten around to that pair yet. But, and look, does the Lord care how many? I don't care how many sneakers you got. You know, I just, none of my business, right? If you got enough prosperity to buy a thousand sneakers, praise God. I'm glad for you, right? I don't want a thousand pair of sneakers because you know, when I, uh, last time I bought a pair of men's dress shoes, uh, and I like, you know, nice dress shoes, and uh, I like them for the last. I like them to be comfortable, and so I get a certain brand that I like that's, you know, not cheap, but, you know, you can always pay more money for them, but, you know, uh, I'm sure somebody would get upset because of how much I pay for my dress shoes, but the, the guy who was selling them to me, he goes, yeah, I got, in my house, I got a whole room just for my shoes. I like got 200 pairs of men's dress shoes. Like, man, that's great. I don't want 200 pairs of men's dress shoes because then I got to put them somewhere, right? Then I have a room for dress shoes, and I just, you know, I just... Uh, then, I, then you know how many decisions you're going to make? You're going to walk in, what shoes am I going to wear today? It's like, I don't know. You know, I like having a pair of brown shoes, a pair of black shoes, you know, and then, you know, I mean, I actually got two pair of black shoes, you know, but uh, actually I think three pairs of black shoes. Well, look at me, I'm just out of control. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, but they're nice, they're nice dress shoes, right? And so uh, does the Lord care how many dress shoes? He could care less, right? It's so unimportant to him, right? Because if he takes pleasure and the prosperity, the abundance, the oversupply of his children, then he, would he care? Why would he care? Now, now, if you're controlled by that, right? I've got to, you know, all you're thinking about, I've got to, I've got to get another pair of shoes, right? If, if you're wringing your hands and you're thinking about that and you're consumed by that, well, then, you know, you're out of control. You need to find the balance of that. But if you just love dress shoes, praise God, yeah, I don't care. You know, who cares? Does the Lord care? It's so, such an unimportant thing, Right? And yet we make such a big deal. Well, you can't have, you know, too many dress shoes. And then, then as soon as you say that, you know you got them. Because then you start asking questions, right? Well, how many? How many is too many? 
Is one too many? No, no, one, one's fine, right? Well, how about two? No, you can have two. Well, how about six? Eh, it's on the edge. Well, how about ten? Nope, nope. And then you know you got it. It's like, well, why ten? Give me book, chapter, and verse of ten. Is there any book, chapter, and verse for ten? There's no book, chapter, and verse for ten, or nine, or eleven, or eight, or twelve. There's no book, chapter, and verse. Well, what about a hundred? You're going to book, chapter, verse? Well, that's just wrong. Based on what? You can't tell me it's wrong unless you give me a, a scriptural basis for why it's wrong. Well, that's just prideful. Based on what? Are you now are you my judge? I mean, you in, you in my heart, judging my heart for the pride of my shoes? Am I up there bragging about my shoes that I've got? Oh, you should see my shoes. I've got way more shoes than you've got. You know, I've got so many shoes, you know. I, just, I go in there, count them, pet them every day, you know. I mean, if all I do is talk about my shoes, maybe I'm out of control. But again, for me to stand in judgment over you in that is a position that I shouldn't take. And neither should you. Amen. Uh, I, even when I, when I, with my pastor, people would come to church and, and they would say things like, that, he dresses so nice, you know. I can't believe he's got, his, his wife always comes in a new dress. I don't think I've ever seen him wear the same dress twice, you know. And, and what a business of it is yours. Amen. What business of work would I spend my money on? I mean, it's just people just, they, they pick things out that's just none of their business. And they start judging other people. And yet I think the Bible says, judge not lest you also be judged. Isn't that what the word of God says? Well, what if it's wrong? Well, that's between them and the Lord. Amen. And, and what's the number? There is no number. Because, you know, you could be prideful over one pair of shoes. Amen. Uh, back, uh, you know, and again, Brother Hagen talked about uh, back when J.C. Penney used to, they'd have good, better, and best. Anybody remember those days? Like the Sears Roebuck had good, better, and best, right? But if you bought the best pair of shoes were like $2, right? I mean, a good pair of shoes were like a dollar and the cheap ones were 50 cents, something like that, you know? I can't, those days are long gone, right? But, um, you know, uh, you know there was somebody pride over their $2 pair of shoes. I got $2. What, what, what shoes you got? Oh, you got the 50 cent ones. Well, brother, you just... You just hang in there. Someday you'll be strong in faith like me, right? You know people are somebody's bragging about their $2 pair of shoes, amen? Uh, but, you know, they can brag about their, their, their poverty as well, being pride of their poverty. I don't get, you know, I don't want any of these worldly goods. That's a lie. That is such a lie. You, you go to work and your, dollar, your boss cheats you a dollar and you're going to talk to him about it, amen? You're gonna, not going to be like, oh, I don't need that. You know, I want it. I work for that. I deserve it, right? They're going to uh, fight the, the boss over a dollar. You know they would. Uh, and, and uh, you know, one of the funniest stories, this one fellow, you know, he was one of these, you know, uh, uh, fellas that just would pick something and, oh, yeah, all that prosperity is so wrong. It's so wrong. And then in the same breath, uh, he, he started saying, you know, this week, just this week, somebody gave me a shirt. Somebody gave me, a, you know, a coat. Somebody gave me, you know, this and that. And, and I didn't say anything, and I thought, oh, so you're happy with other people's prosperity, just not yours. You're glad that they're prosperous to give you things, but you're not willing to believe God for your own prosperity to help anybody else. You like everybody, everybody else to help you, but you don't help anybody else. That's selfish, right? That is so selfish. I want to be so prosperous that anybody comes by, what do you need? Yeah, I'll write a check. Right? Now, I'm not under pressure to write a check, but if I, if I needed to, I could write a check. Amen. Somebody needs help? Yeah, I, don't, I can do that. I want part of that, right? I want in on that deal. Uh, and, and so, if it, but you can't do that unless the Lord prospers you. Because if you have to think, Lord, I can write this check or I can eat. Well, that's not prosperity. Amen. That, that's your right on the edge. Right? You barely have enough. Well, he said, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and what? Running, Running over. Amen. So uh, we should never fall into the trap of, of uh, the love of money. We should have the attitude of everything I own belongs to the Lord. Uh, and, and if we can live that way, then the Lord's like, that's somebody I can prosper. Amen. That's somebody that, that I, can, I can be a blessing to. Uh, amen. Uh, and just real quick, I know, I know we've mentioned this before, but I just feel like we need to go over there. Second Chronicles chapter 29. <clears throat> uh, and and um, uh, actually, it's First Chronicles 29 there. This is the story with David, right? When... when um, um, as he was about to exit the earth uh, and Solomon was the king and, and the Lord had told David, you can't build a temple because you're a man of war. I want your son to build it. And we've heard the stories of the magnificence of Solomon's wealth, right? Jesus even mentioned it uh, there in Matthew chapter 6 that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these uh, lilies of the field, right? The, the flowers of the field. Uh, and uh, Solomon, you know, had wealth that was un untold, 
that the stories of his wealth are just, you know, they're legend. Uh, and yet David, in preparation for, for uh, the construction of the temple, it says here in First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verse 2, Now I have prepared with all my might. See, that's a lot of effort, right? He didn't just like, yeah, write a check. No, he prepared with all, with all of his might for the house of my God, the gold for the things that would be made of gold, the silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of brass, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of diverse colors, all manners of precious stones and marble uh, stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have mine, of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. So he, he's saying, look, as king, I have access to all the treasury of the nation. And as the king, I was wise enough to set aside a bunch of the materials for the construction of the temple that I'm not allowed to construct, but I'm going to manage this and prepare it for my son when he builds a temple. He said, but in my own bank account, he said, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I've, I've given over and above that which the kingdom set aside out of the kingdom's treasuries. This is out of my pocket. And he says, even, and he gives a list, uh, even 3,000 talents of gold, of gold of Ophir, of 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house uh, with all. The gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service to this day unto the Lord? And I just looked it up. And this is, uh, my, my Bible is probably 30 years old. 30 years ago, this was $17 billion that, that David wrote out of his personal account for the, for the construction of the temple. Now, that means he had an abundance, right? More, uh, more than he needed. In fact, he had $17 billion more than he needed. Amen? Now, anybody here got an extra $17 billion? that they can just, you know, and why is that? Because his heart was for the Lord. Uh, and the Lord, because his heart was for the Lord, the Lord prospered him and increased him. Amen. And, and because of that, he was able to help other people. And that's the only reason why you, the, you need to be prosperous above and beyond what you need, right? Is to help other people. If, if you only need enough for you, then, you know, you can get by on, I mean, uh, you know, it's amazing when you're in college how, how cheap you can live. Amen. Uh, and, and um, uh, you know, when, when, it, when uh, you're not working, it's amazing how cheap you can live. But how many people could you help in that situation? If it was only you, you know, you could buy with almost nothing. But if you want to help other people, then you need to be prosperous. Amen. And so if you're always thinking, Lord, I need to help other people. I need to help other ministries, other churches, you know, other, other folks that, that, that need assistance. Uh, and uh, you're not going to be able to do that if you're only thinking about you. Amen. And, and what's the opposite of love? Selfishness. Well, you know, Selfishness. It's selfishness, right? When people say it's hate. It's not hate because uh, uh, God is love. Does God hate anything? No. He hates a lot of things. He hates sin. We know he hates sin. He says he hates sin. He hates divorce, right? He hates a lying tongue, right? Uh, he hates a lot of things. And so it, hate is... It, uh, can't be the opposite of love because it would have to be something God can't do. So the opposite of love has to be selfishness because for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. If you're selfish, you're not going to give anything. You're not surely not going to send your own son to the earth. Uh, and so, so if, if we can get our mentality right, see, then we'll be, believe God for, instead of just, Lord, just give me you know, enough for us four, no more. We'll be like, Lord, bust out my bank account. You know, increase my bank account, double or triple it, Lord, because there's people that need help, right? I want to write a check for that ministry. I want to write a check for that ministry. I want to make sure if somebody knocks on my door and you want me to help them, I can help them, right? Because the Bible says give to, to all those who have need. But it's also implied in the whole New Testament that it, you do things according to the will and plan of God, amen? Uh, because, uh, first of all, do you, do you really know that they have need? They're saying they have need, but do you know they have need? Well, the Holy Spirit may tell you they don't have a need. They're lying to you. Anybody ever lied to you about what they needed and they didn't really need that? That never happens. It happens every day, right? I mean, people come in here all the time. It's like, wow, that's a miracle, right? I told you, but the lady came in. She, she asked for $20 to go to her mom's funeral. And the, and the unction of the Lord's like, don't help her. That just sounds, you're mean. You're a terrible pastor, right? She come in here to help you. They'd ask for help. And yeah, I'm sorry, I can't help you. 
And, and, and so she left, right? Well, she come back the next week, and the, and the Lord prompted me. He said, now ask her about her mom. I said, how's your mom doing? Oh, she's fine. She's at home. And I thought, a miracle has taken place. Somebody's raised from the dead. We need to get on TV and the newspaper and Facebook, tell everybody, we've got a sure enough miracle. Your mother, no, she lied. I said, you lied. You, last week you told me she was dead. Well, well, you know, that's what I thought. What do you mean you thought? Well, that's what my sister told you. Your sister told you your mom is dead and lied to you, and you didn't bother checking, right? You didn't go like, are you sure? Because that's time I saw her, she was perfectly fine, right? I said, you just need to leave. Uh, and, and so... But you, you think, you know, that is not the last first or the last person ever lied to me as a pastor to get money out of this ministry. People lie all the time. Can you believe people lie to the church? Stealing money? Uh, I mean, one guy said, if you give me, if you, give me uh, you know, just, you got anything I can do? I said, well, yeah, you know, if you could, you know, and blow off the uh, pressure wash the sidewalk or something, you know, I'll, you know, I'll give you some money for that. Because sometimes they ask for doing stuff, right? Now, one guy, he came in like once a year for like three or four years, Hey, can I do anything? You just get a little bit of money? I said, well, yeah, just go sweep the, sweep the front uh, driveway there. And I'd give him 20 bucks or whatever, and he was happy. I mean, that's, that's all he wanted. That's, that's just all he wanted to do, right? He didn't want to, do, he didn't want to you know, build a building or anything. He just wanted to, you know, what's the easiest thing I can do? And so, you know, you help out people, and you just, you know, that, that's, that's the deal that they want. So, okay, fine, right? Well, this guy, yeah, I'll do it. And he said, I'll be, I'll be back on Thursday. I said, are you really going to be back on Thursday? Yeah, I'll be back on Thursday. You know, you give me, you help me right now. And I thought, you know, I knew in my heart, he ain't never going to come back. Never, not in a million years is he ever going to come back. But, you know, what did the Lord say? Just give him the money. All right, I'll, here, here's 20 bucks, you know, help you out. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's all people need. But, you know, you don't have to lie for it. You know, you could just come and say, hey, would you just give me 20 bucks? I don't want to work for it. I just, just I need 20 bucks. You know, I, I'm fine, you know, there you go. Uh, and so, but... Am I not going to ever help people again? See, I'm never going to get jaundiced about it because to the best of my ability, I'm going to hear from the Lord. If he wants me to help people that lie, well, you know, he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Well, you can give $20 to the just and the unjust too. Amen. Well, you shouldn't give people, the, give people money that, that lies. Why not? The Lord helps people every day that lie. How many Christians do you think lie? You know, the Bible says lie not against the truth. Well, who wrote that to the church? Well, why do you tell the church to quit lying? Because somebody in the church was lying. Well, you mean church and people, people in church lie? Every day they lie, right? Every day they lie. I know, I mean, I know some people that are professional liars, right? They've got a little badge, I'm a professional liar. Uh, and it's amazing, right? Uh, and so the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants so that we can be a blessing to, uh, to those who just, you know, they're not where they need to be in faith. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if, if, if there was perfect faith, we wouldn't even need a church. Because you get everything you need from, from the Lord, right? But did the Lord set up the church? He did. Why? Because there's just some things you'll never learn unless you go to church. And the Lord set it up that way. I didn't set it up that way. I can get everything I need on my own. Not possible. Not biblical. Amen. If you think that, you're in error, right? Well, I don't have to go to church to learn anything. Yes, you do. You will never learn certain things, biblical truths, unless you attend a local church. Amen. I didn't write that. The Lord said he gave the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers for the, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying body of Christ. Uh, and, and if that's true, then it means you can never be perfected unless you sit under a pastor. Never. You can never fully mature as a Christian unless you sit under a pastor. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I didn't write it. You know, you talk to the Lord about it. If you want to have a, a revision to the word of God, you can have, submit a request to heaven, I suppose. But uh, I'd encourage you not to do that. It's going to be a waste of time. And so, uh, so uh, the Lord takes pleasure you think about that. It takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. It does his heart well. You think about, you know, if you've got kids, how happy you are when you see your kids doing well. Mm-hmm. Financially, they're stable. They've got plenty of money. They're not just, you know, on, just on the edge every day. Uh, that brings you pleasure, doesn't it, as a parent? Yes. It surely would, right? You're like, nah, you know, they got too much money. You ever thought that about your kids? You know, you go, oh, I got way too much money. <laughs> Who thinks that, right? Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's some jaundiced Christian out there that does, right? Uh, and so let's turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 6. We'll look at a couple of verses here. So really, you know, my, my goal in, in just teaching this is to, is to get our, our thinking wired up correctly according to the Word of God. I don't preach any of this stuff to get any more money out of your pocket uh, because the Lord's my source, not you. Amen. 
And I don't ever see you as my source. I don't see the church as my source. I don't see people as my source. I see the Lord as my source. I don't see, you know, back when I was working in the corporate world, I didn't see my corporate job as my source. I saw the Lord as my source. And so, uh, but here we are in Galatians chapter 6. Let's start here in in verse 6. It says, uh, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. And so that's pretty straightforward uh, verse right there, right? Let him that is taught in the word. So who, who are the people that are being taught in the word? Well, it's the people in the church, right? Well, who's doing the teaching of the word? That'd be the pastors and ministers, right? Not just the pastors, but all the ministers that are teaching. In fact, uh, one thing we should know in, in the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all of those fivefold ministry gifts should first and foremost be teachers of the word. Now, some of them aren't, right? Some of them, you know, you get some prophets and all they do is spend their time in their ministry gift area as far as the supernatural gifts, but they never spend their time they need to in, in studying the word of God. And so they're never really fulfilling their ministry the way they should be. Uh, you know, one, a good example is the prophet uh, William Branham from back in the day, right back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, they, they said he was the foremost prophet of his time. He said he could walk in and he could tell you what's in the third drawer of your dresser and, and just read your mail and, and tell you supernaturally all these amazing things. But he'd also get up and say, you know, the, the, the cause of all of our problems are women because of Eve, right? And, you know, of course you think, well, he's got a point there, right? I mean, you know, but, but it's not true, right? And it's not biblical. But he'd say things like that. And they said he was a terrible teacher because uh, he wouldn't study, he wasn't doing his part in the ministry because you know, the anointing comes kind of automatic, right? All you have to do is be willing to yield to it and the, the supernatural will flow automatically. But the studying of the word takes effort, right? Studying, reading, researching, writing notes, you know, uh, reading and reading and reading, right? Just a lot of reading. Uh, and for some minute, that's just too much work, right? Just too much work. I know a pastor, I was talking to him one time, he said, he said you know, I just can't do, I can't do um, series. You know, like, I, I can't, Philippians, there's no way. Right? He can do like one or two in a row, and that's it. Uh, and and um, I'm saying, is that even possible that you can only do like one service in a row? Uh, and, and so, uh, but, you know, and of course I didn't say anything, but it's like, well, you have a gift. You should be able to do that. If you're willing to put the effort into it, you, you will have that teaching gift, because really all the ministry gifts uh, should have the ability. Now, I understand there is a ministry gift called a teacher, and, and that's really the gift that I stand in. And so, you know, the teacher will have a little bit more of a gift in that area, but all the fivefold ministry gifts should be able to teach the Word of God. Amen? Because if the Spirit of God isn't moving, then they have to fall back upon the Word of God. And if you're not studying the Word of God, you're just going to make up stuff and say things like, well, you know, uh, poor Paul and Silas, you know, their son Timothy was just out in the street, you know, all by himself, right? It's like, well, well first of all, Silas wasn't a girl, right? And... Uh, but Paul did say, my son, Timothy, in the faith, but it wasn't his, his actual son. It was his spiritual son, right? And so, I mean, yeah, you don't study, you'll say things like that, right? Uh, and so, so you got to be careful. But, uh, but it says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. And, and we'll read the, the other verses here in a minute, but uh, the Amplified uh, translation of that lets it, says, let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. Uh, and the, uh, the current Amplified translation is contributing to his spiritual and material support. Uh, one translation says, but the person who is taught in the word of God should provide his teacher with what he needs. Uh, and so is, is that, I mean, we could hyper-spiritualize this, but we're, we shouldn't hyper-spiritualize this, this verse because it just basically says, look, if, if somebody's teaching you, then it's perfectly fine for you to communicate or to provide uh, material support to the person teaching you. Is that an unreasonable request? It's not an unreasonable request, right? Because how valuable is the Word of God to you? If you really got hold of the faith for healing, for example, uh, how many uh, months of insurance could you just not have to pay for if, if you got healed supernaturally? How many $100,000 surgeries could you avoid if you were healed supernaturally? How many hundreds of dollars a month of, of medication could you not take if you were healed and lived in divine health supernaturally because of the teaching of the word? How valuable is it to, that you could live in peace every day because of the teaching of the word? How, you know, how much would you pay to live that way? 
Well, there's no cost, right? You, you couldn't put a price on it. It's, it's beyond measure. Uh, and so it's not an unreasonable thing. It, you know, it, now, if I'm just up here teaching about Andy Griffith and you know, mow your yard and make sure you vote, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with voting, right? We talk about that. But if that's all I'm teaching you and not really teaching you how to overcome and, and, and be successful in life, uh, in every area of your life and overcoming everything, well, then, okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. But if I'm teaching you the, the precious word of God and you're overcoming and you're more at peace and you can overcome circumstances and situations like you never could before, how valuable is that to you? And that should be the normal teaching of faith, amen? Any, any minister of their, of their salt uh, could do that, amen? Uh, and the ministers we bring in on a regular basis, all of them can do that, amen? Uh, and so he said, let him that is taught in the word communicate with him that teaches all good things. And I know people that just, they will never give to a church. They'll come to church and they will never give a dollar, a penny, anything to the, to the cause of that ministry, right? And yet the word of God says, if you're taught in the word, then you should have a desire, right? Because if he tells you to do that, then you should have a desire to do that. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't bother checking on it. I'm not interested in knowing, amen? But it's just hard for me to understand why wouldn't you want to, right? Why wouldn't you want to be a blessing to the one that's assisting you in your spiritual walk with the Lord and your spiritual walk in this life? Why wouldn't you want to be a blessing in return for what they've done to you? Because it says, let him that is taught in the word. So if I'm actually doing that, doing my job, why isn't there an automatic desire in your heart, right, to do that? Uh, and so, and I understand, you know, again, it goes back to what well, we talked about. Some ministries sometimes will, will get their finances in such a mess that all they do is feed the machine of their debt. But it's the same thing with people, too. They go out and they buy everything on, on time and credit, uh, and they wake up and, and 100% of their income is consumed by the things that they bought. And they have no room at all to give a penny to the Lord and uh, no room at all to, to be a blessing if there's a special offering, you know, or a special speaker. They're stuck. They, they can't do anything because one dollar would just, you know, cause all of their finances to collapse. Well, that's, that's not a wise position to be in, amen? Again, it's none of my business, you know, how you, now if you need help, you know, I, there, I could help you actually with some of your finances if you wanted to, but most people don't want me to because they'd be like, that's stupid, don't pay for that. Why are you doing that? You know, get rid of that. Uh, they don't get mad at me, right? And, uh, and they go buy their, their you know, the, the $200 washing machine on time and pay $2,000 for it, right? It's like, well, you know, Facebook Marketplace, you can buy the same washing machine, $50, and be done with it, right? And yeah, it's used. Well, I don't like used. Well, I mean, you know, when you're prosperous enough to not have to have used, then that's fine. But right between now and then, don't get stuck with your finances so consumed that you can't, you know, if you're, some people, if their washing machine breaks, that's it. They can't fix it. They have no extra money to fix their washing machine. Uh, if their car, you know, starts making noise, they, just, they can't fix it. They just have to turn up a stereo, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and, and so everything just explodes and, and breaks down because they're so tight on their finances that they have no room for any air at all. And, you know, that's a tough place to be. But the only way out of that is giving. Amen. Now, if you're in a position like that, what I, my counsel would be, sell all the stuff you got on time, get where you have very little uh, extra debt, buy the used couch, buy the used, uh, you know, you don't have to buy used underwear. I mean, I'll let you slide on that one, right? I mean, that's, that's you know, nobody wants to buy that. But you can buy a used uh, refrigerator, right? Uh, and, uh, and then you pay it off on time, right? Uh, you know, uh, when we got married, we, we decided to live that way. We bought a, uh, for $75, we bought a refrigerator and a stove, uh, and the refrigerator was shorter than me, uh, and it had no ice maker, right? Well, it had an ice maker, but it was all the ice that accumulated inside the ice, you know, ice box. So it wasn't actually, you know, you didn't eat that ice, but, uh, and the, the stove was actually a General Motors stove. Anybody remember General Motors? So that means it was from the World War II, right? So we bought it. It was a 40-year-old uh, uh, stove because it was made in the war, right? And, and, and um uh, and I think it had a four-barrel carburetor on it because it was from General Motors. And so, um, but, you know, why did you buy that? Because it was cheap. That was the only reason. That was the only requirement, cheap. Now, Chris had a requirement for it to actually work, too. But, you know, for me, it's like, is it cheap? Yeah, that's fine. That's all I care about. Uh, and so, and you turn it on, all the lights would dim in the city because it just had these big, giant eyes on it, right? You turn it on, and, and so, but, you know, we decided when we got married, we decided we wanted to live below our means because we wanted to have extra funds to give to the Lord if he wanted us to. We didn't want to live where we're just consumed, everything we had was consumed in our own flesh because 
because James actually talks about it. You have not, uh, because you ask not, you, you ask and receive, you ask and receive not because you ask and miss that you may consume it upon your own lusts or desires. See, if, if, if all you want money in increasing funds is to consume it upon your own desires, see, the Lord's not going to bless that. But if your desire is to communicate unto him that teaches in all good things, the Lord's like, okay, that, that's somebody I can prosper, right? That's somebody I can bless, amen? Now, this is specifically talking to the ministry. Some people have a hard time giving to ministries, right? They'll give to the poor person. They'll give to the homeless guy. They'll give to the guy on the street corner with his little sign. They'll give to all that, but they won't give to a ministry because, well, they've got plenty of money. Uh, and it's such a jaundiced, you know, uh, bitter mentality because Paul right here is saying, look, uh, if you're being taught in the word, you should have a desire, a natural, easy, not a pressure, not, not obligation, not a necessity, right, like we talked about last week, but just a natural, man, they're, uh, they're, they're assisting me so much. I want to be a blessing to them. Amen. Now, ha- have ministries manipulated people to do that? hundred percent, right? And they get into things like, well, I'm your spiritual father. You know, you should take care of your spiritual father. You know, I, I just, uh, the Bible does talk about spiritual sons and fathers, but very little, right? We shouldn't elevate that beyond where it is. Amen. Uh, because unless I brought you into the kingdom of heaven and got you saved, or unless you came into the ministry here not knowing anything about faith or the word of God and, and I brought you into that place, you know, maybe then I'm your spiritual father. But for most people, I'm just your brother, right? Uh, and you're coming and you're learning and you're, you're getting increased and that's fine, right? But I didn't birth you into the kingdom of heaven. I didn't really birth your, 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 your calling and, and, and that type of thing, right? Now, some people may see, that, see me as a spiritual father. If you do, that's fine, right? But if you don't, I don't think it's a problem, amen? I know one person wrote a book that you either have spiritual fathers or you're a spiritual failure. I just, I, you, can't, you can't see that in the Word of God, not that strongly, amen? It is valid that sometimes you can have a spiritual father, but uh, so, so the question I have for people is, is if the Lord said, let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teaches all the good things, if you don't have a desire to fulfill that verse, then, then your desires are out of, out of order from the Word of God, amen? There should be a, there should be a desire for, to do that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, and, and, and I just leave it at that, amen? What, uh, are you going to beat people up? You know, I don't know. You know, I get to say, I, I can't tell you what your current uh, record of giving in the ministry is because I, I don't want to know, right? I don't want to know because then that way, I, oh, yeah, I'm talking about them, right? Uh, I don't want to have that uh, pressure on my heart and, to do that. I want to tell you what the Word of God says, and, and so... Uh, that should be a desire, amen? Because uh, that's what the Word of God says, amen? You should have a desire to do that. Uh, he said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Uh, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth unto the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Uh, and so, of course, all of these verses in the context of what, is what Paul is talking about is the relationship between uh, the minister, right, and primarily the pastor, but, but any minister uh, that is teaching the Word of God, and the people. Uh, and so he said, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're receiving uh, from the minister, right, what he said, uh, teaching of the Word of God, if you're receiving of the minister, and you don't want to be a blessing to him, but, but you do want God to bless you, he, Paul is saying you're mocking God. You're saying, I can, I can get all the blessing of God without, without giving to the minister. Isn't that what he says, right? God, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, and so for whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, and so if you're not sowing the way the Lord instructs you, then can you expect to reap from the Lord? Well, you can't, right? So God's not going to, he's not going to, oh, yeah, for you, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a special deal, right? There's no special deals with the Lord, Amen. Giving and receiving is a basic fundamental principle of the Word of God. It's a, it's a principle of faith. Uh, and, and there's no way around it from the Lord, right? You can't say, well, Lord, I, you know. Now, on, on an act of mercy, could he do it? He could do it. But it's an act of a regular uh, act of faith. You can't have a regular act of faith and say, Lord, I want you to bless me, but I, but I will never bless uh, any preacher. Mm-hmm. And I hear people say, well, they got plenty of money. Is that what it says, right? Let him that is taught in the word uh, communicate or share with or provide for him that, uh, that teaches in all good things unless they are very well off. 
Is there, is there a footnote in there? that you have to look at my bank account before you can determine whether you should give to me as a minister? No, right? Uh, and so, uh, again, uh, is there a balance there? There's a balance there. And, and like I said, we're going we're to eventually get to where uh, Paul's got a lot to say about his side of things, about his, uh, his mentality. And I really like it because, to me, it, it gives a good balance to make sure that my heart stays in the right place, right? That I'm not here, you know, uh, thinking about money. You, you know, uh, I met a person years ago and their greatest desire was to be a pastor. And it had nothing to do with, with shepherding people and assisting people. It was like, because they, they saw this other pastor, they man, that, that their church gives them stuff all the time. Buys them clothes, you know, bought them a car one time. Uh, and that's what I want. I want people to give me things. Like, that is your motivation? You're going to you risk uh, uh, the condemnation of the Lord? you know, severe judgment of the Lord by, by just doing something because you want money? You know, how, how wrong can that possibly be, right? Uh, because if, if that's your plan, I know there are plenty of very wealthy ministers. Uh, but, you know, you don't often start out at the top of the heap, amen? You start out, you know, uh, Brother Hagen, I was listening to him one time, and he was just talking about how, how he was uh, putting some tapes and books together at home to ship them out, because, uh, you know, at, the, at that point in time, I didn't have an office, didn't have a secretary, any staff like that. Uh, and I got to, you know, he didn't say this, but I got to, I got to thinking, well, he, by that time, he'd been in the ministry for 30 years. No office, no staff, no secretary, doing everything on his own. Right now, later on, when he, when he passed away in 2003, he had everything, right? A worldwide uh, sophisticated ministry. But this was after 30 years in the ministry, he didn't have an office, you willing to work? You know, I, you're not required to work, but are you willing to work 30 years without an office, right? Now, from the first day I was a pastor, I have always had an office. And well, you're, you know, and I even had one pastor say, "Well, you're way ahead of me. It's, it's just an office, right?" Now I've got a really nice office now, right? I mean, it's a swanky office there. Uh, but you know, some pastors, you know, my office looks like their bathroom, right? Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, they got a, you know, palatial. And look, I don't care. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not. Oh, my office is so small. I, I never, I'm so happy for everything I have, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, are you willing to do that, right? Are you willing to put the time in? Are you willing to put the, the you know, how long, how long do you have to, I don't know, there's no time, right? The, the, the deal is, Lord, I'm here to do your will, however long it takes, amen? And that's all what matters. If you're willing to do that, you'll be fine, right? But he had lots of people come up to him because he was a traveling minister eventually, and they'd say, Brother Hagan, you know, let me know when a big church comes open. I want to pastor a big church. And he's like, look, if you're not willing to start small, just put a shingle out on the front porch there and say, you know, open for business, you, you know, you're not qualified to pastor a large church. Amen? You, you're never going to be qualified because you're thinking big church means uh, big supply and I don't have to work by, walk by faith. I can just walk in and everything's given to me. Uh, well, that's just, you know, that's so wrong. Amen. It's just, uh, and how many people are like that? There are a lot of people like that. I don't know what the number is, but there are a lot of people. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, he asked Brother Hagin one time, he said, Brother Hagin, how many people are in the pulpit that shouldn't be there? And he said, that Brother Hagin kind of uh, bowed his head and he said, more than you'll ever know. Why is that? Because there are plenty of ministers who are standing behind the pulpit because of your pocketbook. Right, uh, and that's all they want is they stand up here. Is I want your billfold, I want your checkbook, and and, and now, it, if you're born again and you got the spirit of God inside of you, it should scream on the inside of you every time you sit in that chair. All they want is my checkbook, right? Because the spirit of God will show you those things, and I, and hopefully, you know, sometimes people get so get so locked into a building or an address is, you know, that they will stay in that address till forever. doesn't matter what wolf or in sheep's clothing, whatever is standing behind the pulpit, they're going to be in that building. And people need to be led by the Spirit of God. Because, now look, the Lord could have mercy on that person. He may have you be there to help them, to assist them, to get out of that stuff. But he may tell you just get up and leave because it's a wolf, right? He's not there to help you, to assist you. He's there for your pocketbook. Now, and if people would do that and be led by the Spirit of God, I think that all that would be weeded out naturally, Right? Uh, not, not, it's not for you to judge them, but I think that the Spirit of God on the inside of you would be like, this, this isn't your home. You need to go somewhere else. Uh, and then, then it would kind of take care of itself, but people don't do that, right? They tend to, 
be led by their emotions and, well, I've been going to church here since, you know, 1883, right? Well, that's amazing, right? But, uh, and so every single one of those pastors were awesome. Uh, and maybe they were. And, and if they were, that's great, right? Uh, and so there's a good balance of this. And, and, but the biggest balance, the easiest thing is be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Just do what the Spirit of God says, and you're okay. And, and I'm okay if, if that's where, where you're at, right? If, as, long as, as long as you des, uh, desire to do what the Spirit of God says, man, I'm good, right? But if, you, if you're copying an attitude, boy, here you go again, receiving an offering. You don't have to give, right? It's just, it's, we receive an offering. We don't take up an offering, right? I know people say, let's get ready to take up an offering. Anybody ever, you know, they could, and I don't think churches really mean anything by it, but I don't take up offerings. I receive an offering, amen? Because you're giving, so I'm receiving, amen? And, and, and it's, it's a little bit of a touchy point with me, but, you know, I never have de- taken up an offering. I never will take up an offering, but I will receive an offering as often as the Lord wants us to receive an offering, amen? Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive an offering, aren't you? <laughs> What if I want to give? It's fine me. I don't care. You know, none of my business. Amen. You give according to what's in your heart. Uh, and so, and, and if you have to be hurt before I can be blessed, then, it, then the, the balance is out of order. Amen. Uh, you should be blessed and then, then the ministry is blessed. That should be the order of events, right? Uh, and if you're like David, I mean, he was blessed way beyond measure, $17 billion, because his heart was for the house of his God. And I believe that's a great model, right? I want to be like David. Don't you want to write a check someday for $17 billion? And not even blink an eye, right? You go, yeah, this is what I did. You know, what'd you do? Well, I gave, you know, I, it's like, like 51 cents today. You know, well, hey, that may be a lot for you, right? Uh, and that's great. But uh, I'd love to write a check for 70. I haven't written one yet that big. But, and that's been, uh, how long ago was that? That was a long time ago, right? So praise God. Well, I come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And uh, we call it blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Your faith should be, it's blessed. Well, I got enough money already. You don't have enough money. There, you know, there's, other people need help. Other ministries need help. Amen. You should never think, I've got enough money. You should always think, Lord, I want an abundance. And if I have too much, I'll just give it away. Amen. That should be your mentality. Get everything you can without being in, in, in covetousness uh, and just give it all away if you have to. Uh, and that's what the Lord tried to get the rich young ruler Give it away so you can give them a hundredfold return. Uh, and so, praise God. Well, is the Lord good? Uh, don't forget, uh, Ladies Fellowship uh, this week at 630 here at the church. And uh, be blessed and you're dismissed.